Life Happens Weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. Welcome back. It's uh, six minutes past two on uh, SAFM and we're shifting gear now because uh, it's time for our Africa update and we're talking today about South Africa. Uh, the impact this current violent lootings are going to have on the South African economy. Uh, it's been spreading, of course, from around Friday or so uh, in the wake of uh, former President Jacob Zuma's jailing. Uh, you know, shops were looted overnight. A section of highway, uh, a highway was closed and stick wielding protesters marched through Joburg on Sunday as sporadic violence erupted following uh, the, you know, the, the jailing of former President Jacob Zuma. Uh, the unrest had mainly been concentrated in his home province of Guazulu-Natal uh, and it uh, has since spread uh, to Johannesburg. But some people are saying, you know, there's economic imperatives uh, that you need to look at this. It's bigger uh, than just uh, former President Jacob Zuma. So we want to have a discussion around those economic imperatives uh, with uh, Professor Peter Bauer, Associate Professor at the School of Economics at uh, UJ, and also Dumiso Hadebe, who is an economist. Uh, Professor Bauer, let me start with you. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, I mean, irrespective of why it is happening, because there's discussions uh, and arguments on all fronts about why it is that is happening, the truth is it's an economic uh, 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 violent protest at the end of the day. What impact is this going to have looking at what the South African economy looks like right now? Yeah, you know, really actually depends a lot on a number of other factors uh, beyond just the protests themselves. Protests, for example, could have very ambiguous kind of results depending on which country and how the protests actually pan out the duration of the protest, etc. What we are watching is, in the moment, the, the, the currency is showing that the rand's actually depreciating um, since the protests have literally begun, which is rather sad because we've seen a gradual appreciation of the currency over the last couple of months. And I think when, the, um, when, when, when South Africa decided to uh, take President uh, Zuma, former President Zuma, to court on, on this and took it very seriously against corruption, we saw a change in investor confidence on South Africa. And, of course, you know, that was reflected in exchange rate. Um, and then, of course, so on the one side, you've got your, your, your short-term impacts, like, for example, the, um, the, the impact on, on shopping, on businesses, on households right now. Um, but then, of course, the, the longer-term impact will depend on a number of other factors. Mm. One of them, for example, could even be, for example, your, your COVID uh, political reaction to this, your rule of law, um, and, of course, you know, the op- optimism as well that surrounds us. Yeah. Uh, let me bring in Dumiso into the discussion. Uh, Dumiso Hadebe is an economist. And Dumiso, good afternoon. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, uh, there's the school of thought that says, you know, look at the images of people that are even doing this uh, protest, this uh, looting, because I, I shudder to use the word protest, that are doing this looting. Most of them are having to make small decisions. Do I take this food home or do I even bother to get that vaccine? What what do you make of what's happening and how easy or difficult is it going to be for our economy to come back from this nightmare? 
Thanks, thanks, KG. I think um, it certainly places um, us in a very difficult and somewhat precarious situation, uh, given that we know that the challenges that we face in the South African economy are by and large structural. Now, the pandemic, what the pandemic has also done it has, is that it has, it has added a dimension of cyclical unemployment in the South African um, employment scenario, and whether or not those cyclical changes that have been as a result of a, a, the, the, the pandemic, whether or not they will end up being structural or not, uh, we will then be able then, uh, we will, I, mean, I think we'll see that with, with the passing of time. But ultimately what we're seeing here is that the high unemployment that we experience in South Africa is reflected by the looting that is happening from people, and you're even seeing the targeted institutions that they're looting. Um, in the main, these are the institutions where they're able to get food or some mm. sort of home appliances and so on and so forth, which then speaks to the bread and butter issues yeah. that uh, South Africans are faced with. Yeah. Often above that, I think for smaller businesses or investors alike, it certainly will have um, a hindrance when it comes to business confidence um, um, and then also consumer confidence as well because all of a sudden, Indomiso, who had um, two or three shops in different townships in South Africa, all of a sudden I'm going to hold off in any future prospects, especially in the short term, about um, recapitalizing those businesses to be able to um, start my operations again until things settle down. Mm. And that has very real impact at the level of the household. If uh, there was, a, if KG had a little sister who was employed by one of my businesses who worked there, all of a sudden KG's little sister no longer has that income for mm. the duration within which that business is no longer operational. So it has very real practical um, implications for both um, households and also, I think, in the short term as well for the South African economy. Structural unemployment issues, uh, um, uh, Prof. Uh, Professor P- uh, uh, Bauer. Um, I would would you say that the heart of what we're watching here? Uh, to a very large degree, the nature of our economy is demanding right now definitely a different kind of person um, than that is available. And a lot of this depends on the skills and the kind of skills that these people have to deal with the current situation. And my colleague is absolutely correct. You know, the, uh, the level of unemployment in South Africa is incredibly high and growing and most concerning is the youth unemployment in South Africa, where we are looking at figures that are well over the the 30s to the 40s, between 30 and 40-odd percent. And if you go under the 20s, you're already looking at up to 60% of youth are currently unemployed. And if you take a look at where a lot of this protest action is happening in the informal settlements and the roundabouts, you'll notice that many of these are young people who are experiencing long-term suffering due to the massive unemployment problem. So this kind of situation could ignite into something much bigger, but we have to take a look at how we are actually reacting to it. And I think at the moment, you know, the fact that we do have a rule of law mm. and that we do have uh, the government's taking steps to, to bring things under control, um, that people are aware of the situation. These are all factors that we need to factor in. Yeah. And, and Dumiso, uh, the prof is talking about the fact that, you know, we have the rule of law on our side. Uh, but then how is that going to impact on the performance of, uh, if at all, uh, investor confidence in the future uh, so that the very youth that are unemployed currently can turn this around and, you know, or as South Africa, we can turn this, uh, this situation around? Well, well, I I think the prof um, highlights some very important issues, and 
the question of institutions that are compatible for growth is one of the very important ingredients for any growth model, especially in the South African context. Mm. And so the, the efficacy and the effectiveness within which South Africa's institutions are able to respond to this particular question becomes quite critical in giving the requisite confidence to either domestic or foreign investors who might want to prospect some opportunities in the South African economy. For example, there's a number that we typically look at uh, that we refer to as the gross fixed capital formation number. That number is quite indicative of the level of commitment that a resident investor, as it were, to put it that way, is in uh, in a specific uh, region. So in the South African context, if for people who wanted to set up a factory and um, to start up some kind of manufacturing plant or whatever the case might be, that is a very uh, a capital-intensive project and a very intensive undertaking to be able to, to, to pursue. Mm. And whenever you have a situation where you might not have uh, the requisite confidence in the institutions that will enforce rule of law, the enforcement of contracts, a judiciary mm. that um, is held in high regard and that uh, everybody's equal before the law. Before you make that kind of decision in investing in South Africa, you might want to consider other prospects in, yeah. in peer countries to South Africa before taking a final decision in that instance. So growth compatible institutions and the response of our institutions in this respect play a critical role in terms of prospects and opportunities for South Africa's economic fortunes going yeah. forward. And of course, Professor, uh, uh, COVID makes things uh, you know, a lot more difficult. Treasury had to invest a lot of money uh, for us to get these vaccines uh, that soon would, would, will be rolled out to the 35 to uh, 49 year olds and in fact uh, those are the people that largely are uh, very uh, 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 are highly unemployed in this country. What do you think even with that investment that Treasury has made towards the vaccine, what do you think will even be the appetite uh, for that very vaccine when we have these kind of protests? Yes, um, and, and that is a big, big concern right now, especially given the fact that we are faced with this, this, this third wave and the lockdown. And obviously there are people out there seeking medical assistance as we are, as we're speaking. And, and many of the protesters are protests are not wearing their masks. They're not doing their social distance. They're not staying at home. And so as a result of all of this, we will possibly see spikes um, in COVID taking place in South Africa. And that's going to have a spillover effects even in the short run on our health institutions, which are going to have to gear up to deal with these additional cases along with all the other situa- all the other events taking place due to the protests. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so business confidence uh, is clearly, uh, like one of you said earlier, is definitely going to be low. Uh, and particularly small business appetite, right, is going to be low. People are going to hold back on opening businesses because, uh, you know, uh, the images are all over. They're online, they're on television. So what then does it do uh, for South Africa in 2030? Yeah, I think it raises some some very important things we need to look at because um, one of the things that uh, we've widely accepted is the important role that entrepreneurship um, and and a a very robust and vibrant private sector can play in being able to absorb um, jobs in the South African economy, but also to a bigger uh, pie for the South African economy. For instance, uh, one of the, the, the structural blockages that we've had is that you would have um, intervention and supply-side policies on the side of government, and you don't have um, a demand that 
absorbs, um, whether it be from a skills perspective or a demand perspective, that is able to absorb the kind of interventions that the, that the state might be trying to, 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 to supply into the market. And whenever you are unable to have a receiver that is able to absorb that, um, and this is typically done from the private sector side where it's reinvigorated through entrepreneurship, it creates certain challenges. And so for the purposes of South Africa's future going into 2030, there are very important considerations and questions we need to answer in this respect to say, given the socioeconomic challenges that we face and that are reflected uh, through protests such as this one, because today it might be this protest in the name of a particular cause. Tomorrow it might be another protest in the name of a particular cause. Mm. But the underlying theme is that there are social economic ills that presently exist and manifest itself in these formats. And unless we're then able to have very practical ways, both from um, a social partnership or a social contract point of view to address these issues, it will certainly make it difficult to achieve some of the targets we've set for ourselves for 2030. So it's important to really use this experience as a learning case to accelerate our efforts to be able to effect the kind of changes that we need to grow the South African economy. It's 18 minutes past two on uh, SAFM on Life Happens. Uh, by the way, please, if you want to join the conversation in our Africa update, we're looking at the economic impact uh, on the current violent protests that are happening in the country. Please join the conversation if you want on 011-714-2006 or SMS us on 41391. That SMS will cost you around 50. We're also on WhatsApp if that's where you want to send your voice note and ask my guests uh, on the number 06141. 104107. My guest, my guest, uh, just in case you just joined us, Andumiso Hadebe, who's an economist, and Professor Peter Bauer, who's an associate professor at the School of Economics at UJ. The Army Prof has since been brought in uh, in the afternoon of today. They said uh, in parts of Joburg and definitely KwaZulu Natal, uh, you know, the Army has been brought in. Does the economy care about things like that? I mean, uh, does it care that uh, seemingly the state uh, is taking measures uh, to get to the bottom of these uh, protests. Oh, absolutely. And especially in the short run now, um, how we are, how the state reacts to that is is very, very fundamentally important back to, as my colleague so rightfully said, back to business and investor confidence. But it's, it's the, how we're going to pan out from now. So we're going to be watching the protests over the power they pan for the next couple of days. And that will give us a far better indication of how the economy is then going to react to it. In the short term, we can really see, uh, a, obviously, a depreciation of our currency. But I think in the longer term, how the government continues to react to this and, and the way in which the protests actually pan out. And, of course, the, the outcome of, of former President Jacob Zuma's trial is also going to have a very big impact on investor confidence. Yeah, the outcome of uh, that rescission trial. Uh, so the unemployment rate in the short and long term as a direct result of these protests, how do you forecast it, particularly amongst the youth of South Africa? For for the longest time, uh, the data that we receive from Statistics around the unemployment situation, particularly as it pertains to youth, um, has been quite dire. And then the Prof has also re- um, referred to them quite earlier. And the, the only ways in which we can certainly be able to um, address that particular question is to create a demand, either on the one side, because we do have, when we look at the unemployment, um, uh, the textured uh, scenario around the unemployment situation, we find that it is more pronounced. Um, with respect to young people that have matric or less. 
Mm-hmm. And that's where you find where those are people who don't necessarily have um, a skill set that is demanded in the South African economy. And this yeah. is because the South African economy is one that is characterized as knowledge intensive and services based. And typically for an economy that is structured such as ours, you do need people that are skilled at a specific, at a specific skill base. Now, mm. as a response as a country, there are different ways we can be able to do that. And we can perhaps borrow from learnings from other parts of the world. But of course, um, it would have to be contextual. On the one side, we have instances whereby we have a largely unemployable youth um, because there isn't a demand for the lowly skilled youth, as it were. But even in sectors where it's able to absorb um, um, uh, lowly skilled youth, we see it, for instance, um, in sectors such as in tourism and in agriculture. Those are some sectors that are able to absorb some skill set. But of course, when your pie is not growing any bigger, mm. yeah, it's, it's limited. Um, the, 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 the volumes in which you can a, a, accept a, a certain number of unskilled people yeah. is limited to a certain extent. So yeah. it's important either we either take an approach where we undertake certain advancements from upskilling and reskilling our skills profiles yeah. to be able to respond to the demand in the South African economy, or we take another approach where we're able to use other interventions to drive from an investment point of view to see how we are then able to use the existing skills profile of youth to contribute to um, the growth of the economy. Uh, but we need to do that and we need to be committed to that route should we choose a specific one and we need to do it over a sustained period of time because consistency as well becomes critical because that also builds confidence if there's somebody who might be located in uh, latin america or north america whatever the case might be and they're looking for their prospects of opportunities for Mm. growth Mm. of their portfolios uh, depending on how well we do over a sustained period of time that also garners that confidence for them to say you know what i'm going to bank my buck in south africa because they've shown a specific track record in performance where certain sectors or certain uh, skills are concerned. Okay. We've got some calls, gentlemen. Let's start with Anonymous in Bumalang. Anonymous, good afternoon. Welcome to SAFM. Thank you very much. Um, I, I'm actually very much worried. Uh, the, the impact of this is, 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 quite, is going to be quite large. Mm. Um, look, I, I spoke to someone about uh, 15, 12, 15 years ago, who owned, who was part of the, the, the investors in a, in, a, in a mall in some rural area. I actually grew up in a rural area. Mm. And uh, I said, I asked him, why are you now building so many malls and you seem to be making profit? You've seen advantage. Now, why didn't you do it during the apartheid era? Mm. He said to me, no, we wanted to do it in the 80s, but we held back because we knew that the, that the uh, property was going to be plundered because the, the country was, 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 uh, was 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 violent at the time. Mm. Then I said, okay, but now it comes back to it that these malls are not safe. But on the question of income, one of your your guests is actually saying that uh, uh, actually when you look at what people are doing there, some are looting, taking food and all those uh, because of unemployment and so on. Mm. If you look at the mall that is in the peri-urban rural area and so on, where a lot of people are unemployed, I mean, including cities now, they've just migrated, gone there, schools are empty here, mm. everybody wants to be next to what is called a job. Mm. I think our, our, our government has, called, has taken it very, very much wrong, because when before 1994, when you look at these uh, homelands, there were uh, uh, agricultural programs that were going on and so on, small factories and so on, mm. which could have been taken over and, and put, brought to better use. Now the, 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 the fields are lying fallow. Mm. I grew up in a rural area, as I said, mm. but I never laid hungry. 
And yeah. only one person was working was my dad. He was a gardener in Johannesburg. Yeah. And we never lay hungry because we plowed the fields. We had uh, cattle and so on. Okay. We I, think you've, I, I think you've made your point. Uh, yeah. uh, you've made your point, uh, Anonymous. Let's also hear what uh, the voice notes have to say. Thanks. Hey, I saw the, le- the, the bike loading the sofa somewhere. I don't know if it was in Houting, but I think those people were so were so relaxed. It was not like they know there's nothing that was going to happen to them. Where are the police? Are they conniving in 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 in, in, in all on all of this? I don't understand. But what is painful is that this is going to send our economy into a tailspin. Oh, is Oh, is Shalom. This is my belief is that uh, leadership, moral decay has led us into where we are today because our leaders have not set a good example into communities right from the home. And I see the moral decay. We cannot justify uh, using economic issues. So it means if I don't have a shoes at home um, in that moment, I need to go and steal and justify it because I don't have a shoe. And another part is that most of people, not all of them, most people, especially in rural areas, people they don't want to, to, to work. People they are looking things for free. That's why you see this. And who have um, promoted that if these leaders, because they want to woo people into, into whatever they want to be in politics. Thank you. Bye. Hi, this is KG. I just want to ask your guest, uh, how much millions have the company lost due to this protest? And then let alone last two months, it was uh, foreign nationals taking our job. And now it's, it's a Zuma and what, what, but we don't know Zuma he avoided this thing by going to jail himself. So uh, now we want to know how much is the country in dire of. Thank you so much for your show. Hi, Kathy. This is Tabu from Limbopo. Uh, what is happening now in the country? It's not all about Zuma. People are hungry. They're starving. And remember, uh, unemployment is very high in South Africa. So it has nothing to do with Zuma. So it's the right time for criminals to just loot and do whatever they like. Okay, um, we have uh, two minutes. Uh, our guests, Ndumiso Hadebe, economist, and Professor Peter Bauer, associate prof at the School of Economics at UJ. Do you want to comment on all those calls and WhatsApps, Ndumiso? Yeah, so thanks, thanks, KG. Um, a lot of issues have been infiltrated or have, have been ventilated through the, those voice notes. But I think I'd also just like to touch on the question of, of, of leadership as well and perhaps issues that perhaps might also pertain to the political, political economy. Um, I think this, for me, one of the, learn- one of the learnings it presents is that over the past 20-odd uh, something years in, in South Africa, it, 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 it serves as, as, as a wake-up call and as an important learning for the importance of accelerating the very important structural reforms that we've been articulating or ventilating over the past couple of years. 
And if this situation, for instance, does not um, certainly inspire a spirit of accelerating these reforms, um, unfortunately, it would lead to a situation where tomorrow there might be another cause and we see similar protests as well. But mm. I think, and I would hope that for policymakers and for uh, private sector and social partners and for government as well, it would, mis- it, it would accelerate our efforts to intensify our efforts to certainly um, speed up the processes of uh, structural reforms and getting even better education outcomes that would um, um, improve the efficiency of the economy so that it's able to work for each and every one of us. Uh, I'm going to ask you to please uh, just stay on the line, gentlemen, uh, for another few minutes with me because uh, there's a myriad of calls that are coming through and maybe we give it we give the discussion another five minutes or so. Uh, but now I have to ask both of you to pause because I have to go to news headlines. It's uh, 2.30 on SAFM and uh, Luyanda Maome is standing by with the latest news headlines. Stay on top of all meaningful top trending stories right here on SAFM. Leading the conversation. Is looting because of unemployment. You see, everyone, people are working in flats, they are looting everything here. You see them with TVs, with everything. So it's not because of unemployment. These people are working, they are renting flats, they have money. Some people are even. It's not only Zulus, let's just say that. It's not only Zulus who are looting. Everyone who lives around is looting. Hi, KG. Don't you think that the human rights activists must go and stop all these looters and hooligans? They are the ones most that um, complain against the police that are brutal and all of that. Let them go and stop these hooligans. That is... Um, Ken Tosh from the Eastern Cape. Hello, NSA. Lagani Ponzimane from Pitamaruspe, Kembali. Yeah, hey, things are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I can say is that uh, Mr. Ramaphosa, who is the president of South Africa, he has to intervene in this situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But not intervening by putting the soldiers. No, 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 no. He will be make things worse. Then you see. You see? Have to release Mr. Zuma. That's only finishing club. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for participating in our conversation. Let's get our last caller in Bob in the Eastern Cape, and we can get uh, both of our guests to round up. Uh, Bob, uh, welcome to SAFM. Uh, thank you, ma'am. Ma'am, uh, look, I'm in the Eastern Cape, and I can tell you one thing: we are extremely, extremely peaceful here. We are very peaceful in this town. I've just come around from town now. Which town is that in the Eastern Cape? Queenstown. Okay, Queenstown. Okay, okay. Yes, it is very peaceful, and I've not heard of one single incident here yet. Okay, okay. Okay. And it's very nice. But I don't think we should, you know, uh, sweep everyone with such attitude with the same broom, as it were, you know? Yeah. But... In so far as being in, in KwaZulu-Natal, coming from KwaZulu-Natal, uh, this is my fourth year here, uh, those, pe- those people who are going around and interfering unnecessarily with people there and breaking shops and doing all sorts of things which I need not enumerate now mm. because we, everybody knows about it. I, I am of the view that the people 
who are being affected should retaliate and give these people what they deserve mm, because okay. they are creating a civil war in this country. Yeah. What do we do? If I were to be in KwaZulu-Natal and confronted with one of them, I can assure you one thing. I would react. Okay. I think you've made your point, Bob. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, you know, Prof, uh, let's round off our discussion. So much came up uh, from the calls from issues of jobs, potential jobs in the future, to the moral decay of our society. How much has uh, the economy lost as a result? Even in the news, we heard that, uh, you know, the rent has lost uh, 2% of its value uh, to the dollar uh, just today alone. So, you know, your last thoughts as we round off this discussion. Yeah, which is really interesting is that the greater majority of the people who called in don't share the same view as the looters and the protesters right now. Mm-hmm. So that whole protest action appears to be remaining in the minority for the greater share of things. And, um, and which means that the, as a nation, you know, we still very much believe in our identity. We still very much believe in the prospects of growth and development. And we're actually definitely pulling in the, in the, in the same and possibly the right direction. What we do need to be aware of is what's going to happen internationally as the rest of the global economy recovers. We are very dependent on international events and international growth. And I think it would be in our in our best interests, uh, politically and socially, to, to remain in a good footing, to keep our investor confidence going, to keep our business confidence up. Because as the global economy starts to recover, we want to recover with it. And yeah. the faster they grow, the faster we're going to grow, the greater the job opportunities are going to be for us overall. And I think it will be long-term benefits from it. Fantastic. Thank you for those thoughts, Professor Andumi. So let me round off with you then. Uh, the president uh, made an interesting uh, reference last night when he said uh, most South Africans want to build up and not down. Your last thoughts? Certainly, certainly. I, I share the same sentiment as the president in this instance. Um, and, and I think I would even venture to say that even probably the guys that are looting, also as people, they have their own hopes and aspirations that they have for themselves mm. and their families to be in a better state. Mm. Unfortunately, because of material circumstances and the challenges that we face as a country, um, uh, correctly or incorrectly, their behavior then is expressed in this manner. Mm. And I think it certainly places a, a big challenge on, on all of us um, as South Africans to have a concerted effort to meaningfully um, address the challenges that we face um, at a practical level. If you're a government official, the time to act is now. If you're a social partner, the time to act is now. If you are a business person, the time to act is now. Uh, failing which, then we won't be able to get to where we need to get. But I think we all have a stake in this country, mm. whether you're coming from the rural areas, because uh, some of us who have our roots from the rural areas understand what the psychology and the environment um, means and this climate means for people who come from that kind of background. Mm. And for those of us who are then situated in the city, we also have a different type of psychology and a viewpoint around what's happening. But it's important that we all accept that we all have a stake in the future of this country and we need to pull together put together to address the very difficult structural challenges that we face and to act now from our different corners. We all have a stake in the future of this country. Thank you so much to both my guests. Thank you, Ndumiso. Ndumiso Hadebe is an economist and Professor Peter Bauer is an associate professor at the School of Economics at uh, the University of Johannesburg. We all have a stake, Ndumiso says, in the growth of this country. And uh, there we round off for our discussion. And uh, isn't it interesting how Ndumiso said everyone of us, every single one of us, irrespective of what role uh, we play in, uh, you know,
know, the dynamic of South Africa have a role to play in uh, building up as opposed to building down. 